So I'm going to paint a picture of a person, and I want you to think about whether you can relate to this. They are constantly feeling like they're spinning out of control. They are losing time. They get distracted very easily. They find it hard to maintain focus or enter into states of focus. And when they do get focused, they get distracted very easily. They think about things a lot in terms of what could go wrong. What if something happens? What if something you know, else happens? What if this? What if that? There's, there's this paralysis by analysis, constantly questioning the hypothetical scenarios of how one decision could affect another. Or maybe they're finding it difficult to go to sleep because there are too many thoughts running through their head, too many emotions that they can't control. Maybe something bad happens to them, like they've got a flat tire going to work, or you know, just someone says something bad about them at work. Uh, or you know, someone made a mean remark, or someone's maybe even actually going out there to make their life more miserable. And this really puts them down and it affects them in a major way for a long period of time. Maybe more so than they would want, you know, maybe, yeah, sure, it's expected that you'd have a negative repercussion as a result of, you know, someone being mean to you or something going wrong, like your, you know, tire get going flat on your way to work. You're like, man, I, that just like ruins my morning schedule. But then how much of an impact does that continue to have past that initial event? How much more of a problem do you then make it? So I often find that there are a lot of students and even professionals that I'm working with that have this issue. It's a common complaint that I have. In fact, it may even be one of my most common issues that people come to me with wanting help. Okay, This feeling like they can no longer really get on top of everything that they needed to do anymore, this feeling like they're just on the slippery slope and they can't seem to find a way out. Okay, and it's a very insecure, destabilizing feeling. And it can influence them on all, all aspects. You know, you feel less secure in one area and therefore you do less of another thing that you enjoy, like exercise or eat right. And then that makes you even worse off and, to, you know, worse, less able to cope with the stressor. And then that makes it even worse and so on and so forth. Right, these are really common things that I... I, I I work with and I've dealt with myself, like in my personal life. And a lot of it does stem from actually one kind of core skill, which is the ability to just turn off, okay? The ability to just flick the switch off and just when there's too many thoughts, when there's too many emotions, when you're alone with your thoughts, you know, maybe you're someone who finds it really difficult to be alone with yourself and in your own thoughts. Maybe that's the scariest time for you. The ability to do that and actually just flick things off, flick off the negative thoughts, flick off the negative emotions. Something goes wrong. The ability to flick off the ability for that to continue impacting your life and scale down through, okay, and have downstream effects. And... I think that is something that is really important as a life skill that everyone should learn from a young age, but often they don't. And I, I think I was very lucky and fortunate enough to have learned it near accidentally. And this is something that I want to share with you today. So uh, let's roll that intro music. So what we're talking about today is actually um, 
a concept of stress, your life, how stress affects your life, and then what you can do about it. Okay, with uh, something that I like to I like to call it focus training. Um, but you will find that this is something that you may already be very familiar with. So first, let's talk about stress. Stress is a necessity in life. Okay, note the wording. Stress is a necessity. It's not that stress is unavoidable, okay? It's that even if you could avoid it, you would choose not to, okay? And you're thinking, why would I ever choose to not avoid stress deliberately if I could avoid it? And this is because stress in itself is the preceding requirement for a sense of accomplishment. So think about a challenge that then you overcome. It's the overcoming of that challenge that actually gives you that sense of fulfillment, right? It's not the fact that you just over and completed a task. Like if the task for you was like eat your cereal, you're not going to feel at the end of that like, wow, I just ate my cereal. I feel so accomplished now. The only reason that something would feel difficult was if you, you know, had like both arms paralyzed and you'd been rehabbing for the last six months to be able to use your fingers dexterously enough to pick up a spoon without spilling everything everywhere. And then after diligently practicing that, then you eat your cereal by yourself, then that becomes an accomplishment. So it's not the task itself. It's the fact that overcoming a challenge means that a challenge needs to be difficult enough. And you don't get that sense of achievement without overcoming that challenge right? So think about something that you think makes up for a very fulfilling, accomplished life that has achievement in it. I'm going to guarantee that it's something that you don't think is already super easy to do. So by virtue of the fact that it's challenging, it must be to some extent difficult, and therefore it's going to give you stress. So stress is actually a decision that we're making deliberately to pursue because we want what's at the end of that, which is that sense of accomplishment, so it's not really possible, in my view, to have a life that's free of stresses because we actually seek that stress because we're seeking to overcome it. And that's part of what makes a fulfilling life. So it's not, it's not just that it's unavoidable, which, by the way, it is anyway, but it's even if you wanted to avoid it, you actually don't want to avoid it. What, that You actually are seeking out the stress. It's just that you're seeking out particular types of stress. But we often don't know what that type of stress actually means. So we want the accomplishment and achievement that's on the other side of that goal. And we can say, yes, it's going to be hard work and it's going to be stressful. But exactly what stress are we talking about? Are we talking about the stress of sleep deprivation? Are we talking about the stress of um, colleagues that are being mean to you and bullying you and making you feel down? Are we talking about the stress of not feeling like you're good enough? You know, we, we have the abstract idea that a goal might be stressful. But I think we don't often think about what it is that actually makes up that stress for it to be stressful in the first place. And when we do encounter some of the stress that's actually part of that challenge, we're like, no, I don't want this stress. I want to avoid this. See, it doesn't really make sense. When we encounter the stress, we should be thinking, okay, this is a stress that I expected, that I accepted. And now I need to actually think of a way to overcome and maybe even use the stress for my growth. Because the last thing you want is you don't, you don't want to go into a challenge that's really stressful, be super stressed about it, just barely scrape your way through, actually not have gained anything from that experience. It's just such a waste of an opportunity. And it just means that you're likely to encounter the exact same stress again. And this is why just because you intend and want to you know, work really hard and put all your effort into doing something, 
it doesn't actually mean that you're going to be successful. And often it's counterintuitively a formula for failure if you simply just have a goal that you want to achieve and you just blindingly put in all your effort to achieving it without actually thinking about how you're then going to turn that effort into a result. Then whatever stress comes along the way, you just try to overcome that with sheer effort. And sheer effort is usually quite blind. And there are other alternative ways of overcoming that that actually allow you to grow as a person at the same time as overcoming it that's actually less negatively impacting on the rest of your life, right? Like if you overcame that challenge and then, but as a result, you had to like get a divorce and then like leave all your kids or whatever, you know, like how worth it was it honestly for you, okay? Yeah, you achieved your goal, but for what? What did it cost? Was it worth it? So the stress is necessary. It's a necessary part of the life. But I do think that a lot of people are looking at it the, the wrong way. And there's lots of different ways to measure stress. And I'm not a clinical psychologist, but it's a topic that I'm familiar with at a personal and professional level. And I do think that I have a little bit more knowledge about the subject, at least, than um, you know, lay people would have. Not just because it's a field of interest, but you know, it is sort of something that I have learned formally. And it's something that I've looked into a lot in order to help serve my clients better as well, as well as you know, improve my own life. So the way that a lot of people approach that stress is, like I said, just that blind effort first approach. But let's do a little bit of an analysis here. Let's say that you've got a stressor and then you, you don't really want the stressor, okay? Like for me, right, one of my stresses was that I had really terrible skin. You know, I had acne, it was just it was sensitive, it was just not a good time, right? It affected my confidence, it affected a lot of me, in fact, a lot of my personality comes from just the fact that I had bad skin, okay? I developed certain like mechanisms in order to defend against that, you know, like um, for example, being bullied or um, people being racist, you know, this is the type of stuff that I, you know, grew up sort of accepting and internalizing and I grew to defend myself against. And so I have various responses that were built as a result of that. Now, here's the thing is that, okay, look, would I have rather had good skin or would I have rather had bad skin? Well, it's kind of hard to say because as a result of having bad skin, I had to learn to find confidence in other ways. Maybe that in itself, that skill is what allowed me to have confidence doing other things that I may not have had confidence in. I know certainly many people that have bad confidence now as an adult when they had great skin all the time, right? So good skin doesn't obviously mean that they've got great confidence and all these other things are sorted. So the actual challenge in itself lends with it and comes with it a series of learning opportunities as well. So the issue is not really the fact that there is a challenge or that there is a stressor, okay? The issue wasn't the fact that I had bad skin. There's plenty of people that have bad skin. There's plenty of people that have bad things going on. The issue is what I'm doing with that, the way that I'm responding. And more importantly, the way that I train my brain to respond as a habit in any future instances that are like that or similar. So let's focus now on what we can do in, to be actually responding to the stressor. Because if you can't just remove the stressor from your life, if that's not viable, well, then you're going to have to live with it, right? There's no alternative. So the way that we respond to that stress needs to be a way that's actually productive. And there are lots of different ways to take that. But the first step is just being able to switch off, okay? It's being able to turn off negative thoughts, turn off emotions and thoughts that are racing that aren't helping you. It's being able to silence your brain and actually create that silence and be by yourself and be alone. And that first step, being able to switch off and just turn off, 
That is the first fundamental step that needs to happen before anything else. Before you can think about things rationally, before you can think about things logically, you need to be able to stop the spiral. And you can't stop the spiral midway. You're not halfway down the hydra slide and just be like, hold, and then you just like slam your hands to the walls and like screech and then like your hands are all bleeding and you're like, okay, good. I was able to stop, but then there's like a 20 meter blood smear trail behind you. You know, you can do that, but it's really much better and a hell of a lot easier if you just stop before you even get down the slide to begin with. As soon as you feel that you're starting a slide, you need to be able to stop. And that's the most fundamental first step, first habit that we need to actually develop. But it's not easy and it does take time, but there is a path forward to that. And when you're able to stop your thoughts this way, then that means that when your thoughts are racing, yes, there's something that's wrong in your life potentially that's you know giving you stress, but you wanna be able to have the mental freedom to think about it in a productive way. You don't wanna just be like, it's going wrong, it's going wrong, it's going wrong, what if this, what if this, like what if I do this? Oh, is this right? Should I send them a message saying this? Or what if I word it this way? Or what if they look at it the wrong way? And what's that gonna mean? And you know, if you're spending most of your time thinking about things like that, well, then you're not gonna get anything done, okay? Like before anything else, before your actual strategy, it's the fact that you're so absorbed in thinking about it that way that is in fact doing you more harm than probably the stressor itself. Okay, and whether you believe that or not is up to you. But if you really stop to think about it, it's like how far can you get in life when every stressor is gonna send you into like a, a panic spiral that lasts the entire week that consumes all of your thoughts and it stops you from being able to sleep and eat and exercise and balance your life. Like you would need to have like this perfect life where nothing ever goes wrong for you to live the way that you want. And if you're happy for the quality of your life that depend on having just good luck, well then good luck to you. You know, you're certainly gonna need it because you don't have the skill to deal with it in any other way. But for me, I personally don't like relying on luck. And if I get good luck, that's good. But I'd rather just have the skills and be able to depend on myself. And the way to do that is just like if you are weak physically, you need to work out, you need to train it. If you're weak and you can't pick up things, maybe even things that other people can pick up. Or maybe you just have really high goals and you wanna be able to pick up really heavy things. You know, Maybe other people don't even wanna pick that up, but you do, you wanna pick that up, that's your goal. Then you need to get stronger, right? And the only way you get stronger is you work out, okay? And you find it difficult while you're working out, but that's the point. Every time you find it difficult, that is training. Okay, it's causing a little bit of controlled damage that teaches you to deal with it better the next time. It builds you up stronger, as long as it's not so overwhelming that like disables you for life, you know, that you injure yourself while you're training. So what we're talking about is, you know, training your mind, focus training, the ability to train turning off, right? That's the first step. We need to train the ability to turn the thoughts off. And it's really simple to do that. All we need to do is have thoughts and turn them off. Have thoughts and then turn them off. The difficulty is that you can't turn off thoughts by not thinking about the thought. You can't tell yourself, stop thinking about something. Okay, That's one of the best ways, as I'm sure you know, one of the best ways to think about something a lot is to try to deliberately not think about it. And there's lots of research into this. There's this thing called the yellow Jeep effect where you, know, you, you tell a bunch of people, don't think about a yellow Jeep. Whatever you do, don't think about a yellow Jeep. And then they think about a yellow Jeep. But how do you overcome that, okay? So instead of thinking about the yellow Jeep, I want you to think about a red elephant. Think about the red elephant, okay? And I'm gonna say, don't think about the yellow Jeep, but I want you to, in your head, think about the red elephant. So don't think about a yellow Jeep. Don't think about a yellow Jeep. 
And in your mind, you need to be thinking about the red elephant, thinking about the red elephant. So your brain is good at giving attention to things and it's pretty binary. It either has attention or it doesn't. It doesn't qualify it by saying, think about it or not think about it. It's whether it's just in your mind and attention is given to it. So trying not to think about it gives it a lot of attention and therefore makes it even worse, especially if it's a negative spiral, which is why trying to not do something is never really a good way forward. You need to think of the alternative or what you will try. And so there are a lot of things that we can staple it onto. We can think about certain things like totems, uh, like, uh, like a coin that we keep in our pocket or a watch that you play with, distractions, sensory distractions. We can look at something. We can listen to something. Okay, We can feel the air or the breeze around us, something like that. All we need to do is focus on something, one thing that you'll always have available to you in virtually every situation. And if you don't have availability to this, you really need to seek medical attention very, very, very soon, is your breathing. You've always got access to your breathing. And breathing is a process where air goes in and out of your nose, it fills your lungs. There's a lot of changes in your body that occur as a result of your breathing. Medical people will know this, but did you know that when you breathe in, your heart rate goes up slightly? And when you breathe out, your heart rate slows down a bit. So the act of breathing is a really good anchor. And what you want to do is give yourself the opportunity to have thoughts come into your mind. Okay, you want to give yourself, you know, you want to create a safe gym environment. So go into your room, go into your closet, somewhere that you feel safe, close your eyes and just tell yourself this. Don't think about anything. Okay, do that for like one minute. Don't think about anything. And you'll find that you start thinking about quite a lot of things. Good. Now we're ready to start repping, doing some of those mental bicep curls. Now, every time that we think about something, a, a stray thought comes in. That's good. That's good. That's, that's what we wanted. We were waiting for that. We were waiting for us to be distracted. We were waiting for an emotion to appear. And when that happens, we tell ourselves, focus and think about my breathing. Focus and think about the air around me. Focus on the sounds I hear around me. Whatever it is, and we just focus on that. And we focus on it so intently that we can feel that we're no longer thinking about this other thought. And that's what we want. That's exactly what we want. And we will do that again and again and again. And every three or four seconds, you may end up thinking about another thought. But that's good. That just means that you're getting one repetition of practice done every three or four seconds. And over time, it gets easier and easier to let that thought come in, but then let go of it. The thoughts will keep coming in. But it's about how long we hold on to that thought for, how easy it is to switch off and bring ourselves back to whatever we intend to bring ourselves onto. So if we intended to focus on our breathing, the ability to focus on our breathing, if we were writing, if we were driving, if we were playing an instrument, the ability to focus on the instrument, focus on the driving, focus on the writing, focus on the eating, focus on the studying, focus on the, the operation you're doing, whatever you're meant to be doing, the ability to drive your focus onto that that is what we want practice and repetitions for. So every time a stray thought comes in and distracts you, embrace that because that is your opportunity to build a habit and get your brain more and more used to it. And this is actually something that's called meditation. This is really what meditation fundamentally is. And your brain gets better and better, better at it. And at a certain point, it becomes easier and easier for your brain to do this. And it becomes a habit and you no longer need to put effort into it. And at that point, life becomes a lot easier because you can turn off. 
you trained at the gym so that in real life, when you really need to turn the thoughts off, you know how to do that. Your brain has a skill of being able to turn off and that will be transferable everywhere. And that's the first step to allowing you to not be controlled by your emotions and thoughts and therefore open up that mental freedom to now think about it logically and rationally and process it or implement other techniques and strategies that you might have that are more specific. But you're not going to even have the opportunity to do any of that if you're just controlled and consumed by your emotions and your neuroticism. So if you're someone that has these thoughts, if you find it really difficult to do that, then one of the first steps you need to take, I would say the first step you need to take before you even solve the problem, before you remove the stressor, because who knows, after that stressor, maybe there'll be another stressor just waiting for you. You may never have free time to do that. You, it may never let up, and you don't want it to break you. So don't wait. Start tackling this as the first step. That will give you the mental freedom and the emotional freedom to deal with the other thing a little bit more happily, or at least less negatively. Okay, and that's overall a lot more productive. So that is a prerequisite for getting a bigger plate, is that you need to learn to turn off. And the first step is focused training, which is what I like to call it, or what's commonly known as meditation. And you can go and get the Calm app, or you can find them on YouTube. You can look at guided meditation things. Whatever it is, I recommend that you get guided when you're first starting. The Calm app's good for that. Good value. I mean, it costs a bit of money, but it's definitely worth it, especially if you're a beginner. And just focus in on that and give it a go, okay? The therapeutic dose that studies say is about 20 minutes a day, every single day for a month. That's what the therapeutic dose to find benefit in it is. I've personally found that a lot of my students have found benefit within as little as just one week of doing it. But it's not one of those things that's like you did it once and it's like, ah, oh, it didn't help me. I'm just going to quit it. Okay. If you're that type of person, you're probably the one that needs this the most. And unfortunately, you're probably the one that's not going to listen to my advice. And I can think, unfortunately, of many people in my life around me who fit into that boat. And uh, there may be no helping them. But for you listening, I hope that certainly this did help. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll see you next time.